Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, internationally renowned keynote speaker Sterling Hawkins heats it up with direct access to how to achieve results in your life, no matter what, especially when we feel our life is not working. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. This is the best ever. I've got Sterling Hawkins here on Heal. And I'm super excited about this episode because you're not a health guru. <laughs> not at all. It's so good to see you. I've missed you. It's been yeah, it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yep, we met in Los Angeles, and I mean, I've gotten to track you from afar and all the things you've been creating. And I mean, to be honest, I never knew your CV before. I just met you in a conference and you were Sterling. You were that really fun guy to hang out and go to lunch with. And I just read your CV on your website and I'm like, holy moly. So co-founder of a technology company in 2004, and you've been through many different failures and successes along that lines. And then now, how do you describe yourself? Like speaker, thought leader, yeah, I, I speak to people and companies around how to achieve results no matter what. I've, I've created this cool hashtag, right? Hashtag no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it's all around how can people and companies achieve their goals, uh, their dreams, the things they're really committed to doing. Professionally, of course, you know, I want this much money. I want this title. I want this legacy. But also personally, the relationships you want with your family. Um, your loved ones, even your friends, and how do we achieve results there in meaningful ways? Yeah, awesome, good. Well, we're gonna have Thank all you. kinds yeah. of fun things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that I know, right? You also snuck in yoga teacher certification in there and a yeah. ultra marathon, so you even know a few things about health and well-being. A little bit, but more as a consumer. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I lived in California for about fifteen years total, and you were there how many years, by the way? I never lived in California. Oh, I just saw you there visiting all the <laughs> I know. time. Yeah, wow, I just came, my mind's like blown. I, yeah, no, I never lived there. I think I was, it was either coming from Phoenix or coming from Salt Lake City when we met, probably, I think I had just moved from Phoenix to Salt Lake City, but okay. I've always been a mountain girl and I love California and I have a lot of friends there. So I'm very at home there. So I'm sure that's why it seemed like I lived there, but no, I've never actually lived there. It did. And I have such fond memories of seeing you in California. Cause I think that's the only state we've actually met yep. in person in, but it feels like most of that state is somehow yoga oriented. And, you know, I got my certification to teach, I think about 10 years ago now, it's going way back. That's awesome. Um, but more so along the lines of what we're talking about here for myself, for my own well-being. I used yeah. to be a power lifter way back in the day, hurt myself in different ways. And I'm like, how can I bring myself back for that? Yeah. Right. Like, what do I need to do to improve my body, improve my mind, improve even my spirit? And that was an answer for me at one time. Mm-hmm. Still part of an answer. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I actually have just recently come to recognize my failure to empower my body. And that's really funny coming from a doctor and somebody who specializes uh-huh. in like holistic healthcare. But I, I pretty much have spent the last 20 years of my life cultivating my mind. Mm-hmm. And then to some degree more so now my spirit and my emotional self and my body, like physically, like going to the gym or working out or like, I've always kind of quote gotten away with it. And I really don't want to like 
say it this way, but I'm going to just say it how it lives for me is I turned 40 and I went, oh shit, I have to do something different with the way that I manage my <laughs> physicality. And, and yeah, the, the outside candy coating is the vanity of it. Like I want to be a super hot 50, 60, 70 year old, you know, inside of wellness. But I also started to recognize it's actually an untouched. It's an area that I haven't really explored. Like I kind of did always get away with it. I was athletic as a kid. I skied, you know, that's what brought me back to Utah was ski racing and I coached and I was up on the mountain all the time. And this last year with the pandemic has shown me so much how I, my fitness was reliant on external factors. It's not coming from an internally generated relationship. And so I'm really excited actually to make my forties is like going to be about that. Like actually Beautiful. falling in love with fitness and having it be an internally generated thing. Like you don't have to tell me to wake up and take my supplements. I just do that. <laughs> Mostly I pretty great about self-regulating around food and I'm a foodie. So I eat everything, but I do it in a way that works for my body. But man, like I just really started to realize what a blind spot I had around like actual physicality of my body. And right before the pandemic, I started weightlifting for the first time ever. Nice. And I got really into it for like two months and then the gym closed. And, <laughs> Naturally. You know, I didn't do anything about that last year afterwards, but it's still there. The seed is planted. So that may be, that was an old uh, place for you. And that may be a new, new place for me, but yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I think it's really about bringing those two worlds together. You know, the physicality of yoga or weightlifting or moving your body, listening to your body and also what's going on with your mind. Cause yeah. I fell into the same trap as you. It seems like culturally in this country, at least we're so obsessed with uh, like mindsets, mm -hmm. like you need a positive mindset, an empowered mindset, right? And and there's a, a time and a place for that, but I totally sunk into that. So when I sold my first company to a group out in the Bay Area, I'll give you the short version of the story. We went on to raise $550 million, an obscene amount of money. My take on that was something like 20 million in equity, right? Which is a, a lot of money, especially for a 21, 22 year old. And long story short, the company made some bad decisions. The housing market collapsed. Our investment dried up. And when that company went bankrupt, I was totally lost. I was thinking, I did everything by the book correct. I was thinking right. I was a good person. I made the right choices. I looked at the financials. I came in every morning. I was like, all right, guys, positive mindset. Let's go do it. And it fell apart. Yeah. And, and that really, that collapse was what started my journey into looking more at the human side of it to say, okay, there's something happening with our bodies and maybe more specifically our emotions driven by our beliefs that is giving us the results that we have. And if we're not paying attention to that, it's almost like we're misguided as strong a mind as we possibly have. It's going to be very hard to get to where we want to get unless we bring those two sides into alignment. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It totally does. And it's like, so last year, actually, before the pandemic even hit, and I didn't know, and this is where the podcast came from. So I set intentions every year, like I do a worksheet where I complete the previous year, and I create my next year. And I, most too, of the creation the is more nice is more around intentions and what I want to fulfill the specific goals, I leave pretty malleable. Yeah. And last year, what I really got was like, after all of this internal work I had done around mindset and on the way I look at the world and on my internal conversations, I was like, I just want to produce physical results. Like, I just want to like <laughs> do a bunch of shit. That's what I want to do this year. I want to see that I did it, that I like out here in the world, I can point to something and say, 
I did that. I built that. Well, honestly, I had no idea what was coming. And we actually just crossed a threshold of 4,500 subscribers for this podcast. And we launched last year, about a year ago. And like, we've been steadily adding about 500 to 600 subscribers a month now. Like there's just this like exponential, I hope it's exponential for the sake of the difference it can make in the world. Like this curve (laughs) that started to head upward. And it really points to that thing though, of combining between the two, because this came out of this internal drive of like, the way I say it is it was a conversation that needed to be had. I wanted to fill in the gaps in the world of health and healing, that it's not just here's the step-by-step 10 action plan of like, here's how you produce those. Cause there's so much of that out there, you right. know? And if you want to lose weight, do this. And if you want to cure autoimmune disease, do that. And like, there's this, these, you know, but we're not a one size fits all. So then we also need that other part, that other internal motivators, I would call it spiritual guidance. You know, it can come from emotional. It can just come from those like internal deep desires, but I can also have, I personally have a tendency to swing too far in that direction and not (laughs) enough of just the straight up. Okay, great. That's your inspiration. Now get out there and build something. And so I'm seeing my own life coming more to the other side of the external factors of just like, and then every day I wake up and I'm going to do these exercises or every day I wake up and I'm going to go through this yoga flow and every day, you know, and, and I have built that consistency around the podcast. It was already there in my, my practice, but anyway, so we could go on and on and on about that, but I have something I really want to talk to you with you, which feeds into this though, which is how, how do we, how do we do this? You know, like, what is it that actually leads people to alter things in their life. And I've actually thought about this question a lot as a healer and as a doctor, I hear stories from people. Like I have this friend of mine that I met in naturopathic school and he was very successful on wall street. And he literally lived in a high rise in New York city. He was 24 years old, making ridiculous amounts of money for his age. Very, very smart guy. And he was like, I think he's five foot seven or five foot eight and he was 250 pounds and like all of his joints hurt and everything about his body wasn't working. And he was pretty much depressed and miserable, even though he had this whole external world that he'd created. And he literally woke up one day and decided to start juice cleansing. His (laughs) sister had given him the idea and he juice cleansed for eight days and then he kept going and he ended up doing a 108-day juice cleanse. He lost 80 pounds. Only juice, no solid foods? Full on juice. Wow. Right? And he actually is Indian and he had a lot of guidance from Ayurvedic practices about what to do and how to do it and like the different yeah. but he just he just went for it. And then it's become part of his lifestyle. And he ended up leaving and going to naturopathic school and becoming a doctor and you know, the whole shebang, right? And he's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I think about that moment though, what has us wake up and say, I'm going to stop eating all these foods and I'm going to literally do nothing but drink vegetable juice. for the next. <laughs> Like, what is that? And I, I think it's something you talk about that people fall into, but if we could have it happen from a different perspective, we could force it, it could create change, which is discomfort. That's right. Yeah, we can choose it instead of having it happen to us. And I've been on a similar journey to you. And it sounds like your friend there. But it was more self serving. It was my life has totally fallen apart. How do I get the results that I want? Yeah. 
And I just kept harping on this idea that I think we can all relate to of uh, diet and fitness, right? From a knowledge standpoint, everybody knows what's in that book, right? Move more, eat less, do a juice cleanse, mm -hmm. right? The physics of it are pretty simple when it gets down to it. Everybody's different, of course, but the core level of it, we already know. But how come everybody gets fired up on January 2nd to go to the gym? Yeah. And then come February 2nd, 50% of the people aren't there. And I would see this behavior in myself. I've always been pretty dedicated to the gym. So fitness has been something that's come naturally. But I would say, okay, well, every day I'm going to get up and meditate. And I would do that for about 10 days, two weeks, and I would stop. And I kept coming back to why does that happen? Right? If it was purely intellectual, everybody would have the results that they want because we would just choose those things. And the more I dwelled on it, the more I realized that when we don't have the results that we want and we fail to achieve them by taking the steps that we think, which may be the right steps, but we peter out, it's an inability or unwillingness to address the discomfort necessary to realize that thing. You know, from like a psychological standpoint, not to like geek out too much on you, but I love this stuff. Any new result is unknown, right? You yeah. might know what the end state looks like for somebody else, right? but you don't know what exactly it's going to take for you to accomplish that, to go through those steps, to become the kind of person that has those results. And since it's unknown, Sure, you could know that at a cognitive level, but your body's going to respond to that unknown. Your body's going to have a physiological reaction that says, mm -mm, I, I don't like that. It's, it's unknown. Stop doing that. Yeah. And some version of that very simplified process I just explained is what has us back away from, you know, continuing to go to the gym. Or for me, it used to be wake up and continue to meditate. And as we can build our discomfort muscle, right? I, I think you go to the gym to build your biceps. As you hunt discomfort, you find discomfort in every facet of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and you go after it. Not over the top where it's debilitating, right? but with a commitment that you're going to step into that discomfort. Well, that's, that's where all the new results are. And that's where a lot of the clients that we work with, be it companies or individuals, can have these step changes and results. It's not a little better. It's way better because mm -hmm. you become the kind of person that can handle well, whatever life throws at you. God, it's such a strong parallel to what I see in the healing journey for my clients and what I've been through myself is like, like literally my core practice, like once I get through the initial stages with somebody around helping them out with lifestyle, we're working on, I mean, and it's funny because people are like, I thought diet was the hard part. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, and I, I've actually been known to say this, which is actually, believe it or not, when we look at sources of disease in somebody's life, which can come from your job, can come from your relationships, can come from yes, the food you're eating, but there's a lot of these, it's actually way easier to change your diet than it is to get a divorce it's a lot easier to overhaul your internal biochemistry than reinvent your career and start a new business. So actually yeah. like the easiest places to start is <laughs> there with food. But then after that, I have a deep knowledge of a system of medicine called biotherapeutic drainage. And uh -huh. the whole point of it is to stir up what's not gotten stirred up in the body. Cause if you look at just like basic laws of nature, 
everything either heals or dies. And like the way we'll talk about it is acute illness, which is like any cold or a flu or a virus or a bacteria infection, or if you broke your leg for a short period of time, that's acute. Any acute problem in the body before modern medicine, there were two options, heal and be stronger or die. That was yeah. it. That's all we had. And then as we've shifted things, which isn't necessarily a problem overall, but like we die less of those acute illnesses, but we don't fully heal. And we've gotten trapped in the middle of those two things. So there's all this stuff in people's bodies. And now with epigenetics, we found out, sorry, but your cancer is because of how your great grandmother probably lived and what she was exposed to actually is where that comes down. And it has to do with the maternal line through the X chromosome but it can mm. go back three, four, five, ten generations. We're only able, like in humans, we've kind of studied it back about three generations, but in other species, we actually know that seven to 12 generations back can impact the health of the current generation, like in mice and rat studies and things like that. And some of that is, is mental decisions we think yeah. is only in their mind, but we actually see the behavior in the next generation. And it's like, where did that come from? So it can be both physical and mental. So biotherapeutic drainage is an entire system of medicine, homeopathy and low dose herbs. That's actually designed to go in there and stir up the discomfort in your body to liberate things. And then the body actually now is alert and awake to it. The reason we don't actually secrete and get rid of all of the heavy metals. The reason why we keep certain infections around is because our body just thinks it's fine. It's not alert to the discomfort. I, I want to try this. Yes, you do. <laughs> you totally do. Everybody should try it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, by the way, I, I've been following you a lot on social media and you know trading a random text message here and there. And I, I love what you're doing because I think going into that discomfort and really embracing it is very difficult and maybe for a lot of people even impossible to try yeah. and do those things alone. And when you've got somebody that's got some expertise to help you let go of some of those things to heal and maybe even take a step further to grow, yeah. it's incredible. So I appreciate what you're doing. And, and we will have to talk after about what this, uh -huh. this system yeah. looks like. Totally, <laughs> totally. Um, but I think what I see a lot of times in business, it probably plays out a lot in the health world as, as well. In fact, I just saw it the other day, and it's how we handle things that uh, occur to us as problems. And mm. problems are inevitable, right? In, in the human mind, we're going to come up against something that's a, a roadblock, a barrier, something that we perceive as being in the way of what we want to achieve. And a friend of mine just went to the dentist the other day, and he told her that she's grinding her teeth. Okay, that's a pretty common problem, right? She's committed to staying healthy and certainly keeping her teeth from a vanity and a health standpoint, I'm sure. <laughs> but what the dentist did is I think representative of how most of us tackle problems, which is going after the consequence, not the cause. And he said, here's 10 mouth guards. I knew it. prevent you from grinding your teeth. And yeah. There is something to that. Maybe that mouth guard is something to put in place. You might have to handle whatever problem arises and put it At a least temporarily. Yeah. Exactly. But he never said, why are you grinding your teeth? Mm -hmm. are, you, are you stressed? Is it something that have to do with your pillow or how you're sleeping or relationships or work or money? Like, where is that grinding coming from? Yeah. And as we can get to the core of that, 
I think that's what you're speaking to is, is healing, right? Yeah. Letting go of some of those traumas uh, from the past or unworkable beliefs from the past to function more efficiently, effectively in the present. Yeah. Yes. Since we're on the subject, I want to send a little gimme out here for everybody. Is yeah. My experience, and I'm not a dentist, but my experience as a clinician is, is that 98% of all teeth grinding is coming from a sense of psychological stress. And that if you actually think about like one of my favorite things to look at the body is like a big metaphor. It's like a giant poetry set. And if you think about clenching, teeth clenching is like, I'm not going to say it. I can't say it. And it's literally when there's something we know we want to scream from the rooftops and we just are, hold, we're literally holding it back. Yeah. We'll clench our teeth and teeth grinding can happen in long-term. And we actually see this show up in people who've had childhood trauma. They have a weight increase. I've actually had a couple clients they ground their teeth so much in their twenties and thirties that they're completely gone and they have a full new set of implants. And then they tell me the stories of their childhood. It's terrifying. And yeah. so there's a very strong correlation and like, yeah, a mouth guard temporarily, but, and then I also see there's all these kinds of layers to it. They, those people may also deal with insomnia. They may also deal with restless leg that also corresponds, not always, but some insomnia, you know, when we sleep, is when we process our day, when we process a lot of what's happened to us. And when there are things, people, their conscious mind does not want to have to deal with. It literally keeps us from sleeping and yeah. it can come with histories of trauma or abuse or circumstances. And then when those things get healed through holistic matters, the teeth grinding goes away. And I actually am a jaw clencher. I have <laughs> bone growth on the inside of both of my, like on the back of my jaw, on my lower jaw, that's from probably 10, 20 years of clenching my teeth. And it wasn't until actually I did a program you and I both have done the landmark forum, mm -hmm. which is a transformational education program that got at some of those limited beliefs. And so those, some of those habits that I had ingrained in my nervous system, where I was beating myself up, I was super stressed out in life. I was a wicked perfectionist. I held myself to an incredibly high standard in a very unhealthy way. And it was showing up literally in mm -hmm. my jaw. And I had one biologic dentist who actually said something to me about it. And most of the time I'd never <laughs> had anybody. He's like, do you know, you have these Torah on the inside of your jaw. And that's from longstanding teeth clenching. Have you ever even noticed? I didn't even know I was doing it. Once I got aware, I could feel the muscles in my jaw. And then eventually I knew when my jaw hurts, I need to at least journal and get it all down on a piece of paper, what I can't say. And in hopefully find a committed listener and maybe even be able to take that communication to whoever I was thinking I couldn't say it. The more I've gotten into communication and the more I've said the unsayable in a compassionate and healthy way, I haven't clenched my teeth in probably eight years, like maybe longer. Yeah. It's, it's totally a thing of the past, but it's, and it's exactly what you're speaking to, but, but that's the question is what do we do with those problems and what do we do with that discomfort? And mostly right now it's getting better, but our culture still pulls for Band-aid solutions, just make the pain go away. Just and and mostly what give me the Advil, give me a money, give me and a, a lot loan, of people have found it doesn't card. work. That's it doesn't. The, that's it the works. Thing now. It works short term typically, right? It, it works for a, yep. a couple of days, weeks, and yeah. in your case, did you get through a couple of years? But I, I think what you said, you can take a step further and say that jaw cleansing coming from that thing that you're not saying that you yeah. know deep down you need to say to somebody. It's that same thing that's between you and the results that you want. Yeah. 
and mm-hmm. living in such a purely mindset. Damn it, Sterling. I needed to hear that. <laughs> I always, it's so funny. I'm like, this is the best worst idea to do a podcast on healing because yeah. all my shit comes up and like, literally that right there. Like, cause I still do the thing where I don't say everything. I still do it. And then that's, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, say well, it again. I, I, we it's teach between what we need to learn most. and the results you want in your life. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, living in such a mindset driven culture. And when I say that I'm speaking mindset disconnected yeah. from the, the deeper body of emotional uh, awareness kinds of things it's very easy to get scared. And a lot of fear comes up. What's that gonna, person going to say? Are they ever going to talk to me again? Am I going to be bankrupt? Is my company going to collapse? Or, or worse for many people is, is my image and reputation going to be tarnished? Yeah. And I'm sure all those things are possible. But what happens in purely the thinking mind is we blow those things way out of proportion because we spend countless hours thinking about them. Mm-hmm. in the shower, going to bed at night, at work, on your breaks, right? You're just thinking, oh my gosh, what if this happens? And you, you focus on the bag, which by the way, from a survival standpoint, genius, right? Right. Avoid the things that are painful and scary as the human species, we survive, at least we did back in the day. But these days, that discomfort, it's not telling you a case of life and death, and yeah. if you think it is, you should probably have a word with your boss or loved one or somebody else, right? Yeah. It's saying right here is that thing that you need to address to let go of the stress in your jaw and let go of the stress in your body. And again, to take it that step further to achieve the result that you want. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That nine, there's nine things going through my head right now. One, I want to <laughs> just further this a little bit more because I think this will be really helpful for people because we're in a... I don't know if we can call it a pandemic. That means it has to be in multiple locations affecting the globe, although I think that might be true. A pandemic, at least an epidemic of anxiety. Absolutely. And it's interesting because while the mental health movement has gone forward, which I think is brilliant, we've we've kind of decriminalized mental health. You know, we've stopped having it be like, it really is just a condition that people have to deal with, just like if you broke your leg or you had toe fungus or, you know, and it's not to minimize what people deal with, but it used to be like something's wrong with you and we would never admit Mm. it and talk about it. So we've been talking about it. Something else has now happened where it's like everywhere you go, people are like, oh, my anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety. Mm -hmm. So one, I question like, okay, what is that really? And as a naturopathic physician, I actually know that gluten causes anxiety for a lot of people, dehydration, causes the experience of anxiety. So there's some really simple things that dietary changes and decreasing sugar and increasing, you know, high healthy foods and drinking enough water alone can drop people's anxiety, their experience of anxiety down. But another thing that I had heard from, there's this awesome woman who's a um, energy healer and empath called Carla McLaren. Mm. And she wrote a book called the language of emotions. And I love that book because she literally wrote chapter by chapter out on these different emotions and explaining their uses and what they're good for and how they serve us. And like, it's, there's 26 different emotions, which of course there's way more than that, that we deal with, but she gets through the big ones. And she talks about anxiety really simply as anxiety is undefined fear. Hmm. It's that experience of fear without knowing what you're afraid of. And so another exercise I do with my clients in a compassionate and healthy way when they're ready is to have them start journaling what they're afraid of, to lean into the discomfort of the anxiety, to actually feel the anxiety and start to be able to name it. 
and to articulate what that is. And once they can do that, most of the time, actions start to fall out of it because fear is ingrained in our body actually to get us to do something. Yeah. Fear leads people to action. Anxiety can cause paralysis though, because it is like you're still in the unknown. You don't know what is happening or where it's coming from and it stops us. And so we can move from anxiety into fear, which sounds like a terrible idea at first, except <laughs> that's that moving into discomfort. Yeah. Well, my mom used to say uh, a Robert Frost quote when I was little and it came back to me through some of my darkest times. She said, the way out is through. And that's exactly what you're pointing to there. Yeah right? Go through the anxiety, confront the fear. And what you're looking for is on the other side of that. And it's easy to look at some of the anxiety and fears that we have as, as static things. You know, for me, I was terrified. And I mean, terrified of public speaking in any way, shape or form. But I mean, true story, people look at me now and they're like, there's no way. Yeah. And I tell you, it was debilitating to me. Mm -hmm. You know, when that first company fell apart, I had nothing. My girlfriend broke up with me. Uh, I move into my parents' house, like the most embarrassing situation you could possibly imagine for a 30 something year old. Right. Yeah. And I developed a crippling anxiety that left me not wanting to go out in public, not wanting to talk to people. I wouldn't even be able to have a conversation like this, especially if it was recorded. And what I found is that, okay, well, if that's the thing I'm most afraid of, speaking in public, being in public. And if I'm going to start listening to my mom, finally in my thirties, uh -huh. had a lot of genius things to say over the years, let's test this out. Let's see if the way out is through. And so what I did has actually become the whole foundation of what no matter what is, which is I, I found the discomfort, right? That anxiety within me, I found some place to confront it where I put myself on the line where there was no going back. That's getting into the fear component. Yeah. And I, I call it getting a tattoo. What, how I did it was a little bit insane and kind of a crazy story. I got a, one of those general email blasts for a conference in Singapore and I hit reply and I said, why don't you have me speak? It's crazy for somebody that can't even speak to a room of like two or three people. Long story short, I confirmed to be their headline speaker for the event. He flies me over. I practice hundreds of hours with my support system. At the time, it was my sister. For others, it might be their coaches, their friends. Hopefully, all the listeners are working with you, Sarah. Right? But you need people around you to help. Yeah. And it's hard to put to words what it took to step on that stage that day because I looked like a relatively successful, maybe kind of nervous guy that somewhat knows what he's talking about. But inside sheer panic, yeah, dread, right? The whole audience doesn't know my life fell apart four months prior to that and what it's taking to stand on that stage and, and to speak to them. And fortunately for me, it, it had an end, happy ending. And I think most people achieve a happy ending when they right. go through that fear where the conference director finds me and he looks me in the eye and he goes, Sterling, that was the greatest talk I've seen in my 17 years of doing it. And to this day, I'm not sure he was in the same talk I was in. I'm like, that can't possibly be. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? But that's really what launched my whole career and my commitment around helping people embrace some of those fears. Yeah. And what I found is that anxiety, going back to where we left off just a couple of minutes ago, changes. Now, I'm not as anxious to speak in public. Sure, I get nervous about different things or if it's an especially big crowd or something along those lines, I'll have some anxiety comes up. But from where I started with debilitating anxiety to where I am now is a massive change. 
And I wouldn't be able to do a lot of these things unless I had, as I would say, hunted the discomfort or gone through the anxiety, gone through the fear to do it. Yeah. And it's not like a special thing to me. It's something that literally everybody can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, the clinician in me wants to just put an earmark here around when people are experiencing something that has actually been diagnosed from a mental health care practitioner, all of this is still possible, but you want to do it with the right team. You know, you want to actually be doing that work, you know, because like in trauma work, we've actually been starting to take it apart. And I had someone else on my podcast that Dallas Hartwig started to talk about this with me quite a bit, where we found that in trauma work, what has been happening a lot in mental health is been like leaning in and doing this exact thing, like getting into the, the, you know, maybe revisiting memories, maybe revisiting some of the experiences physically in your body of what had happened before, but in a safe environment and doing it slowly. But the yeah. quote therapeutic index is really small because it's like, if you don't lean in enough, you don't really get the benefit. And right. if you lean in too far, you end up just re-traumatizing the nervous system because our brains don't actually do a very good job of telling the difference between what we're visualizing and what's actually happening to us. Nope. So what's interesting is we're starting to now investigate other ways of going about this work and what one of the budding areas of research is in attachment work, attachment disorder work. And I know very little about this. So I'm doing that thing where I'm going (laughs) to wax on poetic about a subject I'm not an expert in, but I'm learning about it for myself and for my clients. I'm actually starting to explore this area because what they found in the research was when people who had dealt with significant physical and emotional trauma in their lives did the attachment healing work, which just had to do with like, how do I relate to other people and how do they relate to me and how to actually create that in a healthy way, a huge percentage of their trauma triggers disappeared. It was like they got to the the area underneath. And so my point is, is like, if this is a significant area for you, and we're not just talking about like, yeah, I, you know, I want to quit my job and start a business or whatever. If there's actually like a mental illness going on, make sure you've got the right people around you, but you're right it's still the same mechanism and it is for all human beings and it is available to everyone. And I'm going to out myself because I'm in the middle of one of these right now, which is I literally just moved to my hometown of Rochester, New York, two weeks ago. Which is close to where I'm from, by the way. That's right. And we're both from this area (laughs) in New York. You're from Syracuse. Is that right? Outside Syracuse, a town called Skinny Atlas. Yeah, that's right. And so it's wild because it's everything you've said. It is definitely the unknown. And I have moved, I've had 36 addresses in my adult life. Moving ain't no thing for me, but there was something about this one that's Mm -hmm. so different. And I've been way more upset about it. I've been emotional. Everyone's like, aren't you so excited? And I'm like, to be honest, no. And it's so weird because I know this is the right thing. It came from a very divine place. When I made this decision, buying the house here happened in like it was, I mean, the market's nuts right now. And it was the easiest thing in the world. The universe opened every door for me. So I'm clear this is the right thing. And I'm literally terrified of what the hell did I just do? I just moved to Podunk, New York in the Great Lakes, (laughs) terrible weather. And my brain is telling me all these horrible things about this. And like, I literally still can't see a future. Like I just know, and it's this place of like, I leapt off the edge of the cliff And I've been going through it. Like my body's going through it. My emotions are going through it. And 
there's all kinds of weird internal stories about like well that was the end of your adventurous life and now you're just gonna stay in little podunk rochester and hang out like there's nothing to me there's nothing sexy about living in rochester like i was just in salt lake city and i was in the middle of the mountains and like i lived in europe at one point like every move i had ever made had this like heir apparent of this great adventure and this next thing to do and i'm clear it's in my speaking that this is this great next adventure and it Mm -hmm. matters to me that i'm gonna live four miles down the road from my parents yeah and they're in their mid-70s and they're an amazing place in their life and their life is going to continue to change probably on a pretty rapid basis over the next 10 years for them and i want to be here and i want to be a part of it and i want to be already established versus waiting for the call that something happened to my mom or something happened to my dad. And that's when I finally make the move to come back to New York. Yeah. But I am like literally in the middle of one of these. And I, it's good to hear, even though, you know, just from the outside, this is where we all get to help each other is like, oh yeah, that's right. The, 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 the leaning into the discomfort and the, all of the newness and the unknownness is also where these great new results, there's things that have never been available to me before. Cause I've always lived two to 3000 miles away from my family. And it's not just my parents, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, like all kinds of things have started already opening up a little bit around like even high school friends. Apparently I'm not the only one that had this thought during the pandemic. Cause there's like six or yeah. seven people that all moved back huh. in this last year. And so I'm going to have a whole bunch of new connections to people that I just would never have otherwise connected to. And I don't, I don't know what's going to come out of that, but something new. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't think you can understate the, the courage and the bravery it takes to do some of these new things. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I think you and I are, are both examples of no matter how much you learn this stuff and how much you know it, that doesn't make you exempt from it. No. Right. The unknown is the unknown and it's totally uncomfortable. And there's, there's just no getting around that. And I, I do think the more that you practice it and the more you step off that ledge, the more comfortable you get in that uncomfortable world, if that yeah. makes sense, mm-hmm. right? You kind of, you build your discomfort muscle, I might say. Yeah. And you're always welcome to visit me here in Colorado, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I have so many, I'm already making my plans when like the shoulder season hits and it's still... Yeah raining and cold, I will, I will be exploring for sure. And a lot of people have wanted to come here, which is awesome. Like a lot of people that are really interested and I'm up by the great lakes and my dad has a sailboat and we're going to be out on the lake all summer. And like, it really is an incredible place to be. And I did realize that some probably more than I even recognize of my internal stories is because the last time I lived here, I was 18 and Mm. it's the, it's the words of an upset teenager it's boring. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. Like I can't do anything. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's just my inner teenager on loudspeaker. Cause that was the like last impression I had, you know? And anyways, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think doing things like that, open up big step changes in your life and your career. And I'm excited to kind of follow along with you and hopefully be updated from time to time on what yeah. happens. Yeah. Because it, you know, I might be speaking out of turn here. You probably know more about this. Than- do it that I do. But you know, that the conscious mind, the thinking mind processes about 50 bits of information every second. Mm -hmm. In a bit, it's like a quantity, like a computer processes, 50 bits of information, right? I see you, I see your background, I see the room that I'm in, I see my telephone, and I have some idea how to use all of those things. 
But when we step into the unknown, it's almost like stepping into uh, the potential in our subconscious. And our subconscious, on the other hand, processes, you want to guess how many bits per second? I can't imagine. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. 11 like million yeah, bits. Yeah. 11 million bits. And so yeah. when you think about it like that, we're really like 0.00046% conscious. I, I may have remembered that <laughs> math wrong. I didn't just do it in my head. Close enough. So, yeah. so one of the yeah. listeners will be able to kind of do yeah. the math there. But it, it suffices to say, we're not looking at nearly the potential that's around us. No. And when we're comfortable, we're going to use those 50 bits and all the things around us in the way that we already know how. We're going to use ourselves in the way that we already know how. When we step off this ledge, and I, I give you a lot of credit for doing it because it does take a lot of courage and bravery again. You step into that potential of the unknown, which is infinitely more than we ever can see with our thinking minds. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I mean, and it's not only is there so much potential in those 11 million quantifiable bits of information but there's also it kind of points to also how little reality we live in right. and I use that a lot as part of my access to deal with the discomfort and the anxiety is like I know I think I know what's happening right now but I don't <laughs> and it, it actually makes a yeah. difference for me to come from I don't actually know what's happening and like I wish nothing at all knocking on every piece of wood in my office here that happens to my parents, but like I've had friends where they made a choice to move home. And then a year later, their parent died of, you know, pancreatic cancer or something happened. And it's like, I won't know the logic of this. I really won't, but I actually, and, and it's interesting because a lot of more and more, as I've gotten to this point in my life, I've sourced my decision-making from what I would call a higher place from like really my spiritual alignment or my inner truth, or however you want to say that for yourself. But, you know, in the past, there was like a lot of really just straight up logic. Although when I look at it, I, it was how I justified whatever my, you know, decision-making was. Like I justified my decision-making to move to Mexico because I was going to be a clinician and running this, this amazing opportunity in a hospital, which ended up never happening, but I got to live in Mexico for a while until it happened. <laughs> they wanted to meet me to be the on-staff nutritionist. And while at one level, it was like this great career opportunity. Are you kidding me? I was going to get paid to live at the beach in Mexico. So like <laughs> there was a lot of different components to it. And I managed right. to get a good year of time in Mexico out of that whole deal before it actually totally fell through, which ended up being a complete failure. Never got paid for anything. You know, like people ghosted me. It was totally built on quicksand. I'm not entirely sure the person wasn't just siphoning investors money offshore and that I just got caught in the loop of all of it. It was a crazy circumstance to be in. And it's one of my career failures, except the flip was I met these amazing people and I got to live in a tropical island in the Caribbean in Mexico for a while. And that wasn't so bad, you know? So it's like, <laughs> that's how I can look back at that circumstance. But I remember being in the thick of it. I'm in a foreign country. I'm not clear what's going on with this business endeavor. Things are not looking the way that they were promised to be when I first, you know, talked about it and spent a year working out the details of it. Nothing's coming through. I mean, it was terrifying at the time. I remember yeah. calling my parents and actually having to like think through like, am I safe? Am I okay to get grounded? And I can tell the story in one light where it's this grand adventure. And the other light was like, I was 28 years old trying to figure out this whole new part of my career, freaking out in a foreign country. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. And both are true. Yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah. You know, I've spent a lot of time looking at philosophy and ancient religions at some level. And it reminds me of that. I think it's the Chinese symbol, the yin and yang, those like interlocking circles, one's white, one's black, and it has the opposing color as a dot in the middle. And I think that perfectly represents to this day how we function. You know, it's the balance of chaos and order, good and evil, the things we know and we don't know, the things that we have and the things that we have the potential to have. And at any moment, it can switch. And I I think this kind of brings us full circle. You know, I think all the time, like, yeah, my day's good, but I know so little of what's actually happening. I'm only looking Mm -hmm. at 50 bits of information. I'm not quite sure where I am in any moment things can go dramatically south. It, it, funny story, it just happened to me the other day, like I stubbed my toe, like really black and blue stubbed my toe on a coffee table I've got. I'm like, that's it, that's the unknown. Like it just rears its head and it takes <laughs> it takes yep. the life that you think is going a certain way and you're happy or you're fine or you're satisfied or unsatisfied in certain ways and it totally flips it and says, uh-uh, here's the unknown. And you know, we can step into that consciously and choose it. So every time it happens to us, we get better and better and better and better at handling it. I mean, I imagine if you hadn't lived in 27 other places, your move would be even more causing more anxiety, right? It gave you some level of ability to deal with it, or at least acclimate to some of the change. Or we can keep pushing off those those fears, those anxieties, of course, you know, back to your earmark, you want to do it in smart ways with a clinician or a support team or your family or people around you that can help. But if you're not stepping into that discomfort at some point, at some time, it will find you. Yeah. And if you're not prepared for it, that's where the sink, the ship gets sunk. Yeah. And I I see it professionally all the time where businesses just go out of business. Yeah. Personal level. It's much uglier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I just look at this, okay, so we hunt for the discomfort and we lean into that space. And then, you know, I have some of my favorite things to do. Like, how do I manage that? But like, what is that for you? Like you've hunted for the discomfort. Now you're uncomfortable. Now what? Yeah. Well, for me, the most effective way to do it is lock yourself into that discomfort because Mm -hmm. it's too easy to back away from it. Yeah. Right. If you're uh, just to use something that I relate strongly to, afraid of public speaking, mm-hmm. public speaking in person, if we ever get back to that, or public speaking on a Zoom yeah. meeting, however it is, right? If that's something that causes you anxiety, just saying to yourself, oh, I'm going to speak in public this year, it's an awfully easy hook to get off of. Yeah. You know, and months go by, and all of a sudden it's the end of the year and you didn't do it. So if you've got an accountability partner, I, I call it building a street gang. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Not because I've been in a gang. I was in yep. Boy Scouts, which I don't know if many people count that, right? You need people around you that hold you to your higher potential yeah. when you don't see it yourself. And you know, as we're talking about here, when you're in the middle of that discomfort, when you've walked off that ledge, you don't see the potential in yourself anymore. Mm-mm. You revert back to the- oh, yeah. It, um, it, yeah, mm-hmm. survival mechanisms, right? I'm, <laughs> yep, I'm going it's to terrifying, die. <laughs> all of it. Yeah, I need to get away from this. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got to have people around you that are really going to hold you to account, or mechanisms in place that are going to hold you. Yep. To going through that discomfort because if go public, if it's something larger, yeah, y- yeah, you're going to back out of it. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think of it similarly, like my first step is to just go public. It's to get out there and start sharing it and saying it and, and even saying I'm scared of this or saying like saying it, getting it out. And then from there, I have a similar thing, which I'd say is like, I go after community around it. And so I might already have, um, like I have a money mastermind group that I've been running for six years. And it started from, I realized that I knew nothing about investing. I didn't have people around me even using millions of dollars as a measurement of things in their life. And I was like, if I'm going to start to alter my relationship to my finances, it's because of the people and the conversations that are around me. And so I put myself and I went out and found people that knew more about finances than I did. And I put us all in a group together. And over the years, it's changed a little bit, but there's three of us that are still in the group six years later. And it's like unreal, the results we've produced. And every two weeks, we do exactly this. We say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to accomplish next. Here's what actually matters to me. Or if we don't know how or what, like, this is what I want. Can you guys help me articulate what that's going to be? And like, I've got another one forming right now, the group of entrepreneurs, and I love this idea. They, they, one of my friends, she loves getting into a lot of the like strength assessment tools where you can like, you can have your employees do this. You can have your teammates do this, where there's different surveys that you can take and it assesses yeah. what people's strengths are. Well, this one's particularly about your genius and the way they describe your genius is it's the things you can do and it builds energy for you. You could just mm. do it and do it and do it all day long and it builds energy for you. And then there's the things on the opposite end of your genius, which you can do it, but it like, Oh, it takes so much. Right. And what's so interesting is my genius is tenacity, driving Hmm. things to completion. I love seeing the finished product. I love getting all the way there. I love, I love jigsaw puzzles. And the favorite part about a jigsaw puzzle is the last piece. And like, I love doing things like that, which actually lots of people don't love that. And what I'm not good at is the word galvanizing and galvanizing is about rallying teams of people around something to produce the result. I'm really good at doing it on my own. I'm not so good at rallying everyone to produce the result. So what we're doing is we have this mastermind group and we're donating an hour of our time in our genius to the other members of the group. So I'm going to bring my tenacity to what they're working on. And other people will bring their galvanizing to what I'm working on because it's where, and then the idea is that we're all doing it from energy. And otherwise, if you just told me, okay, Sarah, that's great. But then this has actually been an issue in my business is like, I know what the next step is. I know the glass ceiling that I'm up against is I've got to build more team in order yeah. to accomplish what I'm up to accomplishing. But for me, there is so much anxiety. And that is like public speaking for me is that idea of, taking this baby I've had for 12 years called my business and starting to put it in other people's hands. And then do I even trust myself to know how to go about doing that? It's a total bottleneck in my growth. And it's a bottleneck in my ability to produce things for other people that'll make a difference for them. Like I really want to produce courses. I'm already strapped for time. Like I'm maxed out. My practice is full. Like I have like, you know, a three month waiting list most of the time for new clients coming in. Like, and I'm, you know, the podcast happened because of my producer, Kendra. So I'm (laughs) working on starting to build those things of team, but whatever that is, I've got some, my own beliefs and my own limits. But for me, the idea of like, whereas there's other people that are like, 
oh my gosh, I was brand new in business. And three months later, I had 15 people working with me and we had this whole team and blah, blah, blah. It's like the easiest thing for them. And I'm like, I want to puke on my shoes to even think about doing it. But I know that's what I have to do next. And I'm like, there's probably people listening to this, just laughing at me. They're like, Sarah, I would help you. And I'm like, I have people offer me help and I don't know what to do with them. Like that's how weird it is for me inside my head. So getting community, getting people around you because we do have different strengths we do have different things we can contribute. And it's like, everything happens in community, according to me, like really, it's all, if you really want to produce those results, if you really want it to go far is about getting outside yourself. So going public, talking to people, getting your street gang, getting your, you know, mastermind groups or whatever that is around you. Even if it's just like my sister and I, we talk every single day and we have these integrity calls. That's just like, what are you up to? What do you need? Where do you need to get out of your own way? What do you need to say? Cause like we're sisters. So she can say stuff to me about her boss, you know, or her job. And I can say stuff to her about what I'm dealing with that we're not going to say to anybody else Yeah, just to get it out of our space and then be able to be in action again. Yeah. I, I think the people around us are a, a blessing, all of them. And yes. I, I think that there's like two main categories, the a group of people that are supporting us and giving us the things that we need and holding us to account and, you know, by the way, the people that hold us to account don't always have to be subject matter experts. One of the strongest people for me is my mom, Yeah. where I'll do something and she's like, that's not so good. <laughs> why, or, or, or this, this is like, my favorite one. Um, why are you dating that person? Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like no hold barred. She's just yeah. going to tell me what is... Uh, true for her. Yeah. Now we'll talk about those things. And in a lot of cases, she's right. And in some cases she said, Oh, I didn't really realize that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the people that are around us in that capacity, supporting us and holding us to a higher standard are huge. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other group of people, the people that kind of trigger us, the people that we might not like, or we're forced to work with, or they're born into our families. We're like, well, I really don't want to hang out with that person, but they are also a blessing. And I'll, I'll tell you how, you probably think the same way. They're an indicator of where some discomfort is. Oh yeah. Right. If you're around somebody that just annoys the heck out of you, like I can't be in that room with that person. The easy thing, the comfortable way to go is to go away from that person. Yeah. Right. Ah, I need to cut them out of my life. I'm not going to be friends with face on Facebook with them anymore. I'm going to minimize how often I have to see them in the office. And you can do that and you can minimize your interactions. And there are some cases where that's a good approach. But the bigger question, the way to hunt discomfort is to say, okay, well, why is that so bothering to you? Mm-hmm. And Every time I've had this conversation with people, inevitably, it's some big breakthrough about themselves that they didn't realize about themselves, their beliefs, how they're viewing the world, how they're viewing other people that's in the way. Yep. What do you think? Yep. I have been been quoted. I think I was actually, I was interviewed for a podcast. I was on somebody else's podcast. podcast and we were talking about somehow the conversation of toxic relationships came up oh that one I love that one because I don't believe in toxic relationships I'm like "Mm, that's good that's one way to create it and it's not to say there you know again there are circumstances where you might want to really you know come from the highest and best good of how to interact with somebody if they're not reliable for interacting with people in a you know healthy and a kind way but that's different from, I'm just going to cut all the toxic people out of my life, you know? And I actually have an exercise I do with some of my clients where we do an inventory of all the people in their life. Uh-huh. 
and I have them just, the first step is to put plus or minus signs or neutrals for who in their life do they get energy and gain energy from and who in their life is there a diminishment of energy? And I just leave it in that. Like there's an inequality of like, you feel like you're giving a lot to this person and you're not getting a lot from them. Or, you know, you feel that it is a mutually nourishing beneficial where like every time you're around them, you just have more and more energy. And we just look at it from the energetics first. Then we start going and looking into those things of like, what is it about this relationship? And why is it in the first cut? I find it's a lot of this stuff where we're just not saying things. This is stuff we're not saying in that relationship where we haven't actually asked for what we want. We haven't just told them that we would like it to be different than it is. And then a lot of it starts to sort out because I deal with people with chronic fatigue and chronic illnesses. And yeah, food is this place where we lose energy and toxicity is a place where we lose energy, but our relationships can be a place where we lose energy too. But that doesn't mean the person has to necessarily be removed from our life. The relationship can be altered and it can change those dynamics. So that's, that's dead on. They're all mirrors for us. They are. And I I think that's how we discover new and and breakthrough things. Yeah. You know, I come from the school of thought where I I think there is a truth about things. For example, if we're both sitting on your Rochester porch, having a lemonade in the summer, of course, Uh (laughs) watching cars go by and somebody asks, hey, what color was the last car that went by? I say black, you say blue. Really doesn't matter what either one of us said. The car that went by last is a particular color. Yeah whether we see that color or not. Now, we might have conflicting viewpoints. The car is an easy thing. Politics is probably on the other end of the spectrum, right? Where you've got like such dramatically opposed and emotional viewpoints. But unless we can sit down and handle our own discomfort about having that conversation, something I believe is right, something you believe is right, and it's different, why? And it, it takes somebody that's healed to a large level themselves, or at least they're brave enough, courageous enough to step into those conversations, to be willing to be wrong, also be willing to be right, by the way, to yeah. figure out the best path, path forward. And I think that's something that's missing in a lot of business cultures, family cultures, certainly our country culture at some level. No, massively. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this has been so awesome. I yeah, it's been love a blast. It. Yeah. I just thank you so much for, you know, spending your afternoon with me and putting out what you've, you know, your life's work so far about how do we actually get those breakthrough results no matter what. And this whole conversation, it's so cool to see how you've been having it at the level of businesses and corporations and we're having it in the world of healthcare. It's, it's the same thing. It's that, I mean, we could get, you know, the other side of the coin, which is like, you're out there healing corporations and I'm healing individuals (laughs) in their physical body. Well, tag team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to be on Sarah. I really enjoyed catching up with you and it's been too long. We'll have to do it again soon. Absolutely. For sure. Appreciate you so much until we get to do it next time. Interested in supporting the production of Heal Directly? We are looking for people interested in joining our team to expand our reach and build the Heal Academy platform. If you have expertise in online marketing, platform software, or podcast audience expansion, contact us directly on my website. Thank you to today's guest, Sterling Hawkins, for your kick-ass enthusiasm and expertise. For a full transcript and all the resources from today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickport, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. 
And as always, thank you for being here. Until next time.